Good morning. It's great to uh, see you today. Thanks for being in the house. Thank you so much for those of you that are joining us online. Wherever or whenever you're joining us, uh, we just say thank you for spending this time with us today on this Sunday. And uh, we are in our series called Summer Psalms, but we're running out of summer. So uh, we're about ready there. We made it to Psalm 100, and, uh, which is good. We didn't do 100, but we've uh, skipped around. And I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed these messages, and they've spoke to me so much, and uh, they've been very good. They've been very good, yeah. Uh, psalm 100 is a very familiar psalm to many of us today, and uh, I think you'll find it familiar. You're going, oh, yeah, I remember reading that or memorizing that. And uh, so this is one that I think we can bring something fresh and new. Uh, that's what I love about God's Word, is no matter when you open it, there's always something fresh and new to speak to you um, out of. So but let me just start with this question. If you could live your life all over again, how would you do it differently? Boy, uh, there's not going to be a test on this, but uh, wow, yeah, you know, that'll keep you thinking for a while. If you could live your life all over again, what, what would you do differently? Um, there was a survey done with men and women over the age of 95, and they were asked that same question. And, uh, you know, if you could live your life all over again, how would you do it differently? And there were three dominant responses that came out, and I want to share with you. It just kept coming up over and over again. First of all, they said they would reflect, they would reflect more. They would reflect more. Another one is they said they would risk more. They would risk more. And the third thing they, they always said is they would do more things that would outlast them. Outlast them. In other words, they wanted to be more intentional, more thoughtful with their life. Because how many know that life is busy and it could just be a treadmill? And uh, I don't know about you, what you would do differently. Would you love God less if you had it to do over again? Would you pray less if you had to do it over again? Or would you keep more to yourself if you had it? to do over again and you know would you spend a lot would you say you know what if I could do it all over again I would spend a lot more time at work that's what I would do you know I've never talked to anyone that are facing the end of their life or looking at the end and kind of looking back over their life I've never talked to anyone and said you know what I just wish I'd had a little more me time they're always talking about how could I have invested more how how could I just spend a little more time with those I love and I know this is a rhetorical question but here's the deal if you're still sucking breath today if you woke up this morning and your name's not in the obituary guess what you still have an opportunity to continue to lay out how you want to live your life so you can be in that position to say hey how do I want to do this your response is there but the question is real what is your response going to be to God? And, and, and when you go through life, we continue to look at how are we going to respond to God? And that's what we're going to see in this passage today. You know, everybody responds to God in some way, whether they say they believe in it or not. Some, some response will just be they ignore God. They, they ignore God. They, you might know people like this. They know God's up there, but they just really don't live their life. They just spend their life ignoring God. And we're seeing more of this today. Another response is people abhor God. They'll, they hate God. Anytime the, the, even the thought of God comes up, it's a negative thing for them. And, and the, 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 it's, it seems kind of extreme, but more and more are in this category. And then there's those, the response to God is people that adore God. They love Him. 
The name of Jesus is special. It means something to them, and they will always believe in God and respond to Him. And most of us, I think, would identify with the last one, I, that, especially if you're tuning in today or you're in the room today, you would say, well, I don't want to be the first, I'm definitely not the second, so I, I definitely want to be one that adores God. And what we're going to see in Psalm 100, using it as a guide, we're going we're to see how we can respond to God in ways that lead us to adore Him more. You know, sometimes we might think we adore God, but if somebody followed us around in our life and we really looked on the inside, we might be closer to ignoring God. Well, we visit Him on Sundays, so we want to we see Him on Sundays, but I'm talking about with the totality of our life. I think this will be a challenging. Someone said this one time, and I sure wish it wasn't true, but it said, a Christian is someone who is sorry on Sunday for what they did on Saturday that they're going to do again on Monday. Ouch! That hurts. But I want to give you four responses out of Psalm 100, and then we're going to get to it, and we're actually going to read it. You say, uh, that would be nice, but four words, four words that we're going to pull out of this today, and those words are worship, serve, love, and think. Worship, serve, love, and think. Now this is a, uh, I would say it was a short but powerful psalm, and you I know you've probably heard it before, and it, 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 in the induction it says it's for giving grateful praise. That's how they introduced this psalm. Psalm 101 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. You might have heard this or grew up saying it this way. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Wow, that's, that's, that's power-packed five verses there. But let's unpack those four words that I introduced to you, and I want to highlight them today. First of all, worship. And it says we should worship God joyfully. Worship God joy. Shout to the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, it says. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. I've looked back and about 17 or 18 times throughout the Bible, it says to shout when it comes to worship. To give a, give a shout or, or, or make noise. And, you know, many times in ancient times, when the king would come in, the people would just give a spontaneous shout because the king was there. And, and they were just basically, they would shout and say, this is our king. We're going to win because of this guy. So they would, they would shout for the king. We see in, in Numbers chapter 13, when Moses was leading God's people out of Egypt, you might remember there was a, a leader called Balak that hired a false prophet to curse the people of Israel. And as he looked over the millions of people, he, he, was, he couldn't curse them. All he could do was bless them. And he said, he was able to say this, that there was, the Lord is God is with them and the shout of the king is among them. That's what he said. The shout of the king is among them. 
And you might remember this story from Sunday school in Joshua chapter 6. And Joshua was leading the children of Israel to take the promised land. And they came to Jericho. You might remember they marched around the walls seven days in silence. Wouldn't that be eerie to see this like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people just marching around your city and they're not saying a word? But then on the seventh day, Joshua said this, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the sound of the shout literally brought the walls down. In another place, in 1 Samuel, we see that the Israelites were fighting the Philistines. And they were, they were losing the battle. And so they called up for the ark to be brought, the ark of God, the, the ark of the covenant to be brought into camp. And it says this, When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into camp, all the Israelites shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Shout unto God, it says. The presence of God brought a shout. The presence of the king brought about a shout. I would say that you would identify or you would describe their worship style as lively. <laughs> it was lively. It was noisy. And isn't it interesting that the Bible never really tells us how we're supposed to sing worship. It never, never instructs us how we're supposed to sing. I mean, it's like you never say, yea, I say unto thee, never sing a worship song to, to country music. You know, I wish it did, but it's not in there. It's not in there. I'm sorry. No, what I mean is like it never says only sing worship songs to 4-4 four, four time. Never to 2-4 or and never clap on the offbeat. You know, it never says that in there. But the Bible does say that we're to be joyful in it. It's supposed to be a joyful experience. We're to shout unto God. But there are excuses, especially when we come to worship. And I know when we get into worship, people start getting a little squirmy and a little uncomfortable because, you know, they start thinking about things. Well, there's some people that I'm not... I'm not talented like a Josh or, or like a Tara, and man, they could just sing, or these instrumentalists up here to play. And then I say, you know, I'm not a good singer. I'm, that's one, you know, I'm, I'm not a good singer. But it says make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now listen, if God has given you a great voice, use it. If God has given you a horrible voice, give it back to him. Just. <laughs> and here's the deal. If you're a really bad singer, other people will sing louder to drown you out. So you're, you're doing the... You're doing the church a service just to let it out. But then some other people say, you know, well, I come in and I just don't feel like it. You know, I, I'm not one of those people who just feel like coming in and singing. You know, think of how many things you have to do that you just don't feel like doing. <laughs> some of you didn't feel like getting out of bed this morning. Amen. How many times in your college experience that you had to get up and go to class, and let me tell you what, very rarely did you feel like doing it. There's a lot of things in life that we do that have nothing to do with feelings, right? You just do it. And there's another one that, especially when it comes to singing and shouting, maybe you grew up in a more of a, a traditional or more of a quiet type of worship experience, because a lot of people say, well, I'm not emotional. I'm not emo I don't like to get emotional. You know, unless it's about my sports team. And this, now, I, I don't want to step on toes here today, but I've seen toothless grandmas and grandpas go nuts over their grandson hitting the ball. You know what I'm saying? And I, rightly so. I love it. I mean, it just comes out of you. I've, I've told you stories before where I've been in the Moda Center, 
and, and, and watching the Blazers. I remember me and my son-in-law were at a, a playoff game one time, and the game was going horrible, and people were just mad. Nobody was like it. Somebody spilled beer on me. It was, oh, it was just like, this is, we almost left. And then the game started to turn in our favor. And we got closer, and we got closer, and we tied the game, and we won the game in the last second. And I'm telling you, the place erupted in noise. I mean, just, we, we cheered, and we, I was hugging people I didn't know, and we were high-fiving, and it was amazing. And we just left just in this euphoric deal. And I said, what's the difference between that? It's like, you know what? I felt like God said, guess what? This is real to you. This is real to you. Sandy and I had a chance to go to a concert uh, with family a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, this band was going, this oldies band, you know, and they're going, and, and I just like watching other people. And when they would start to play one of their, like, really popular hits that, that you know, everybody know, there was a guy, like, right in front of us, and uh, everybody was sitting down, but when they start singing one of the, he knew, he'd stand up, and he'd look at the people next to him, like, can you believe this? And he'd just do this the whole time. <laughs> it's real to him. It's real to him. But sometimes I got to say, okay, God, but I can't get like crazy and caught up in a way because I'm not emotional. Well, a lot of times we have particular ways we want to worship. And probably I'll be so honest to say that the three biggest complaints are going to be the same complaints in heaven about worship it's too loud, and the lights are too bright, and it's too smoky. But I started looking in here, and I realized that Isaiah said, in the book of Isaiah, he said, the song was so loud in the courts of heaven that the temple shook. <laughs> so get ready for loud. And then I started looking, and it said, and the light was so bright because Jesus is the light, and it's the strength of the sun, so it's going to be pretty bright. And then also it says that uh, in the book of Isaiah that when the people began to worship, the temple filled with smoke. So, I mean... <laughs> Get ready for it, because heaven's going to be... Okay, I'll keep going. I didn't think that was going to be too much fun. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. This is a, re it's, it's a reasonable response. It's an appropriate response. Second thing, it says, serve with gladness. Verse 2, in the New King James Version, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Not only are we able to respond with emotion, but we're also, we need to respond with motion, motion. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve God joyfully. Now, some people will serve, but they kind of serve with a bad attitude, right? We see examples of this. You might remember Jesus had two friends, Mary and her sister Martha. You remember that story, right? And Martha was the one that got stuff done. She was serving but she wasn't happy about it because she went to Jesus and said, I'm doing all the work, and Mary's just sitting there and doing nothing. Now, Jesus said Mary's chosen the greater thing because she was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But I think what he was trying to say, service is a great thing, but it's no fun when you do it with a bad attitude. Another guy that served with bad attitude was a prophet by the name of Jonah. Remember, God called him into his service, said, here, I want you to go to this city. And he's like, nothing doing. He took a cruise the other way. That's right. And then he got, you remember the whale of a tail? <laughs> Sorry, I thought that was going to go better. He got swallowed by a fish. He didn't obey God until he got puked up on the shore in front of the town. And then when he did get obey God and give the message, he went up and he complained the rest of the book. 
You know, the church in the Middle Ages, they wanted all the clergy to wear black because they always were seen wearing black and because it was serious business. You served with seriousness, sad business. Oliver Wendell Holmes said this, I would have gone into the ministry, but most ministers I know look and act like undertakers. <laughs> but we're to serve with gladness. The hallmark, the, 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 the identifying mark of someone that knows and loves Jesus to be one that serves with gladness. I know I've kind of gone of extreme this way, but I'm saying, where are you serving with gladness? Serving, and it doesn't matter what you do, you can find something to be glad about it. There was a story in a Boston newspaper, and they were looking for people that worked the same job for years and years that seemed to be boring jobs. And they found a lady that had been working and cleaning the same office building for 40 years. So they went and they wanted to write an article on her, and they interviewed her, and they said, you know, how could you do this boring job for over 40 years? And she says, wait a minute, first of all, I don't get bored. She said, the cleaning products I use, God made them. I clean objects that belong to people that God made, and I make life more comfortable for them. And then she said this, my mop is the hand of God. Whoa. Now those clean freaks in the room, we're just like, amen, amen. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with a tidy place, right, and a nice clean floor. That's cleanliness is next to, but no, she found that, man, I'm going to serve and I'm going to do this with a great attitude. There's something inspiring about that. They were to worship God joyfully and were to serve with gladness. The third thing here is that we're to love God intelligently. Love God intelligently. Now listen to verse 3. It says this, no, that's a sign. It says, no, that God, the Lord is God. It is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. But that word no, it literally means to perceive something with understanding. We need, we need to love God with our mind. The Bible says, I, I worship you with, with, with my, I'll sing with my spirit and I'll sing with my mind. Christians should be great thinkers. We're, we love God. The Bible, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We don't check our brain at the door when we come in and just, you know, worship like we don't think. Paul said that we're no longer to be conformed to this world, but we're supposed to be transformed by white renewing of our mind. Hosea said this, the people perish for the lack of what? Knowledge. In 2 Peter, it says we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Here's something that you need to know something that we need to get into our mind to know about God. First thing we need to know is that He's God and you're not. You know what? Everything that's going on in our world is not up to you to fix. He's God and you're not. There's one true God. We need to know that. Know that the Lord is God. It is He that has made us. Another thing we need to know is that you are his craftsmanship. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has created you exactly the way you are. When you look in the mirror, sometimes we can say, you know, I don't like what I see, but God says, you know what, you're my creation. I love you. I've created you. God created man out of the dirt. I don't care what you believe about how this earth started. Let me tell you what. God created 
human beings out of the dirt. And guess what? The first model worked perfectly. They didn't have to like suck in a tail or anything. They worked perfectly. And I don't want to get into uh, like evolution versus creation because I just believe that if evolution, evolution really worked, then why do moms still have just two hands? You know what I'm saying? You know, because you evolve with what you need. If evolution worked, moms ought to have like eight hands by now, right? Two for holding, three for slapping, and one for doing something else. Okay, I'm, I'm going to keep moving. Here's the deal. You're not an accident. You are a divine incident. <laughs> you, are, you are his handiwork. You, you need to know that you are craftsmanship, and you also need to know his ownership. You are his work. He has made you, and he paid for you. The Bible tells he paid the price with his own blood for you. He not only created you, but he paid for you. Revelations 5 tells us that when it's speaking of Jesus, it says, you have redeemed us from God by your blood. When you want to know, you need to know that a price has been paid for you. Not only did he create you, but he paid for you. There is a story I remember from just a, a small boy growing up learning this concept that not only was I created by God, but I was purchased. And it's the story of a boy and his father that as a project together, they built a sailboat together, a beautiful, big sailboat. And they, they've worked on this for months, and it was a beautiful boat, very distinctive with colors and all the details and the sails, and, and they even named it. And they were so proud finally to take it out to the lake and watch that thing sail around. And they just they loved that. It was like a pride for both of them. But one day when they were out there, the wind caught it and took off and it got away from them and by the time they got around the stuff on the shoreline it was gone and they never saw it again until the boy was walking down the street one day past the second hand store and he looks in the window and there's his sailboat in the window for sale and he can't just go in there and say listen I made that that's my boat because guess what it belonged to someone else now so he went home and got to work and he started raising and saving and finding ways to get the money until he had enough money and he went back in and he bought his boat back and he said to the boat, you're twice mine. That's really simple for kids. That's why it still relates to me. And I'm telling you today, you were made and you have been bought and that's something we need to know. That's your story. When the bottom drops out of your life, you need to know God owns you. If you're going through the unthinkable, that, that thing you thought would never happen in your life, you need to know that God owns you. He's got you. And it's something that maybe you might not feel, but you need to know. You are His, not just once, but twice. And ownership describes care. I belong to God. He owns me. The last thing we're going to talk about in Psalm 100 that I see here is we need to thank God consistently. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Question is, you know, why do you come? Why are you here? A little boy was sitting in church with his mom and dad <laughs> in church one day, and he whispers to his dad, and he goes, Dad, look, here's the deal. 
Mom would rather be cooking right now. <laughs> I know you would rather be golfing right now, and I sure would rather be playing right now. Why are we here? Each one of us need to answer that question. I had a pastor say one time that he just was straight with the people and said, listen, if you just come and you're not giving or serving, why are you here? Being a part of the family. And I was like, well, I wouldn't have the guts to say that, but I guess I just did. But it's a good question. Why are we here? Well, I would say it's found in Psalm 100. There are reasons. And this is what the psalm said. He is good. He, we sang about that today. We're going to sing about that again. He is merciful. He is honest. First Thessalonians 5 says, In everything give thanks. Give thanks for where we're at right now. Give thanks for where we're at. And you think about even our environment, our country. This is the worst possible time to live. But you know, I, I love history, and so I was looking back in history, and I was thinking, well, is this the worst possible time to be alive in this country? And I would have to say no. Right after the Revolutionary War, when they were, they were first founding this country, the very beginning, do you know that they, they made seven times more graves to bury the dead than they built houses for the living? Seven times more. People trying to found this country were just seven times more likely to end in a grave than in a house. But it was in that same environment, it was in that same time that the first president of the United States, George Washington, said, you know what, we're going to dedicate a day that's just of thanksgiving, thanking God. And he declared thanksgiving, and both houses voted on it. So you know it was a God thing. For some reason, they agreed to do that. If you had, had to live your life all over again, what would you do differently? If you had to start from scratch again, what would you do differently? Well, you have that choice. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back again. Psalm 100, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You ever ask what do you give somebody that has everything? What do you give a God that has everything? What could we possibly give God that he doesn't have? Simple answer, it's you. It's you. He just wants all of you. God, we thank you today that you are so good. That we can know who you are. That we can allow the joy to come out of us just like a shout that we can connect with you no matter what we're facing. You are good. Father, I pray that this knowledge, this, this message, this truth would lead us to a response in our life. God, some of us 
can look back over life and be thankful and see where you've been and you've carried us. Some of us right now need to re-answer that question. If we could do it over again, how would we do it differently? And even today, the Bible says that today's the best day to connect with you. And God, I pray for those in the room, for those that are connecting with us online, if they need a fresh new connection with you, that they would have the courage just to speak out to you right now and say, God, I need you. God, I need your help. Thank you, God, that you are faithful when that prayer is prayed, that you are there and you will connect with them and you will meet them and you can change the direction, ultimately change our destination and you can change how we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, thank you for uh, being with us today. And if you're in the room and, and you need someone to pray with you, if you're online and you want somebody to pray with you, uh, there'll be people online to connect with you. And we have a prayer wall right here. And don't leave today without having someone pray with you. We want to stand with you, especially if you made a uh, decision for Christ today. We want to help you with next steps. Just before you walk out of the room, I just wanted to highlight one of the ministries of Family Life Church. And it's called FLC Rangers. It's a ministry to boys. And uh, Dale Ferris leads an incredible team of, of leaders that are training up our boys uh, to be leaders, Christian men. And, and uh, they went on a, uh, what they call powwow. It's an incredible camp uh, way out of, out of the way. And, <laughs> and they had a great time. They took 13 boys. These are some of the pictures with them. But uh, I just want to thank uh, Dale Ferris for his leadership and his entire team. Would you just thank him right now for what they do for our, our boys? Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. And uh, if you want to know more about that, talk to Dale or they meet on Monday nights and they'll be starting up the first of September or first couple weeks of September. And uh, if you know a boy in your neighborhood that's causing trouble, send him to Dale. He'll fix him. I don't know if that's a guarantee, but hey, until I get to see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you. He would actually shine the countenance of his face on your life because he loves you, he made you, and he bought you. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.